I hope you'll open your Bibles again to John chapter 14 and look at these two verses, 16 and 17 again. Um, We have been studying for the past seven messages that I brought. There have been some breaks in between, um, but about the gifts of God. And again, I hope that you have, have taken seriously how the Scripture describes some things that God gives to us. And they're very wonderful gifts. They're for us. Not only personally, but they are for us to use to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I hope especially that you and I will understand that the gift of the Holy Spirit is that which God has given us to empower us and to strengthen us and use us in his kingdom's work. Uh, I would like to say uh, this will be the last Sunday uh, that we talk about the gifts of God um, there's one that I hadn't gotten to yet, and that is the gifts, the spiritual gifts that God gives to us for use in the church. But what I'd like to do is the next Sunday that I preach, which apparently will be next Sunday, okay? But I would like for us to look at the last 24 hours of the life of Jesus. And I want to encourage you um, in your Bible and the Gospels, if you would uh, start looking up, and we'll try and have this uh, the Scriptures mapped out for you, that... Um, Jesus' last week of his life is mapped out, and there were certain things that he, that he needed to do. But then in those last 24 hours, there were some very important things that happened as he prepared to go to the cross for you and for me. And I just think as we approach Easter, um, that that will maybe help us to understand what our Savior did for us. So I ask you to pray that God will speak during those times, and I ask you to pray that he'd speak now. So let's pray, and then we'll read the Scripture. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can come in your house. God, what an awesome thing it is to come into your presence. Thank you, Father, that you are here. And, Lord, I just pray that you'll speak through your word, that you'll speak through me, that you'll speak to our hearts and minds. Heavenly Father, I don't know the needs of those that are gathered here. I know some of the needs, but not all. But, God, I thank you that when we gather in your name, you are here and you speak in a way that each of us can understand, Lord, that it is you. And so, Father, I pray that whether we are all born into the kingdom of God or whether we are still searching for the Savior, that in these moments ahead that you will speak. Father, thank you again for these who have braved the weather and have come to your house to worship you and to grow in their walk with you. All this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Hear what Jesus says in John 14, verse 16 and 17. We've read this for a number of weeks now, but listen to this. Jesus said to the disciples, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another counselor or comforter, depending upon your translation, to be with you forever. Now again, folks, I believe that what Jesus tells us is to be taken literally true in this instance. And he says that he's praying for the Father to give them the Holy Spirit to be with them forever. Verse 17, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And again, this is the words of the Lord Jesus himself. Where does the Holy Spirit abide with us? He dwells with us, and he dwells in us. And 
Also, we've been reading Acts chapter 2, verse 38. After Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost, the people that heard him preach are convicted of their need of the Savior, and they ask Peter, what should they do? And Acts 2.38 is Peter's response. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Again, it is a biblical teaching that when you and I trust Christ as Savior, God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And for one more time, let me mention the gifts that we've already learned about, okay, that God has given you and me. Number one, he gave us his son. That is the greatest gift that we could receive. Secondly, he has given us the gift of his grace. Steve, if you would bump that up to the next. Thank you very much. Thirdly, the gift of eternal life. Fourthly, the gift of righteousness. And now the gift of the Holy Spirit. Last Week before last, Anna spoke last Sunday, week before last, as we were looking at what the Holy Spirit means to you and I as Christians, we found out that the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. And again, I'm not trying to talk in some type of far-out theological talk here, but God reveals himself as God the Creator God, God the Father, God the Son who came and lived on earth and who gave himself on the cross And then God reveals himself to you and I as the Holy Spirit who comes and dwells with us and who dwells in us. As Christians, last time we studied this, we were encouraged by Paul not to grieve the Spirit of God, not to quench the Spirit of God. You remember quenching the Spirit of God was like putting the fire out. Remember the offertory song that we sang, Set My Soul Afire. Paul tells the Roman Christians, be aglow with the Spirit of God. Folks, you and I must understand that the Holy Spirit is just as real as Jesus was. And just as Jesus wanted to play a major part in our life, the Holy Spirit wants to play a major part in our life. And so Paul says in Ephesians 5, 8, be filled with the Spirit of God. Instead of letting the Spirit of the world fill us and guide us and direct us and consume us, we are to be filled with God's Spirit and controlled by Him. And folks, here's the real question. Are we controlled by the Spirit of God? Now folks, let me point some things out. I think you and I, and I'm including myself into this, the first thing we need to understand is where the Holy Spirit is at, okay? And this is my very simple way of explaining to you how I understand the work of the Holy Spirit of God, okay? So please be patient with me as, as I share some of my understanding of where is the Holy Spirit, all right? First of all, to the, Christ, to the person who is yet to believe, to the non-believer, to the non-Christian, The Holy Spirit of God is outside of our lives, outside of our hearts, seeking to point us to the Savior. Now, how does this happen? In John 16, verses 8 and 9, and we're going to look at this on the overhead, and I hope you'll turn and look at this in your Bible. Folks, Jesus says, when he comes, who is he? The Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will convince the world concerning sin. Some translations use the word convict. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness. You remember one of the gifts of God to you and I as Christian 
is righteousness through faith in Christ, not man-made righteousness. And the Holy Spirit will also show the world judgment, about judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Folks, before you and I become a Christian, the Holy Spirit of God is sent to convict us of our sins. And you might say, well, I don't like that. I don't like anybody to tell me what's, what I'm doing wrong. It isn't that human nature. We do not like for anyone to approach us and say, this is what I think you're doing wrong. But folks, not only does the Holy Spirit convict you and I of sin, but after convicting us of sin, the Holy Spirit leads us to Jesus. And that's what we need to understand. And folks, the Holy Spirit does this throughout our lives. And again, just please bear with me, okay, because this is such an important concept, I believe, in the Word of God. How many times did the Holy Spirit of God seek to lead you and me to Christ before we finally acknowledged that we were sinners and asked Jesus Christ to come into our heart and be our Savior? You see, God has sent His Spirit into the world because He loves every one of us and He wants all of us to be a part of His kingdom. And so the Holy Spirit of God is sent into the world to convict us of sin, but also to point us to the Savior. And folks, if you don't believe this is real, think about perhaps you've been in a revival service or any service, and during the hymn of invitation, after the Spirit of God has filled the church and spoken through the messenger, you see people as the Spirit of decision is being saying, they are, they are gripping the pew. They're resisting the Holy Spirit of God. Let me give an example of this. Acts chapter 7, verse 51. If you know much about Acts chapter 7, you know that Stephen, one of the men that has been appointed by the early church to become a deacon, goes out and begins to share the gospel. And as he is sharing the gospel with the Jewish leaders, folks, they're going to kill him. And you know that they do. And folks, isn't it amazing that as this story is being told toward the end of that story in Acts 7 verse 51, when they accuse Stephen of blasphemy, Stephen says, you stick, uh, stiff-necked people, and that means proud, uncircumcised in the heart and ears, he is speaking to the Jewish leaders, you always, look at this, resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. And folks, remember, they go on and stone Stephen to death. You remember who's in the crowd there, the man who is guarding or watching the garments, the ones that are throwing the stones? It is Saul, or the one who becomes the Apostle Paul. Folks, do you not think that the Spirit of God began working on Paul's heart after seeing Stephen stoned? After hearing Stephen say, I see the heavens open and I see the Lord Jesus Christ? But folks, it is human nature to resist the Spirit of God. But folks, I want to point something out. The Holy Spirit is in every worship service that is dedicated to the glory of God. And so often we come to church, and I'm guilty of this, I don't expect God to be there. How many of us really expect when we come to the house of God and assemble in the name of God that God is going to be here and God wants to do something in our midst? 
in my heart and in your heart. And so often we say, well, if God's going to speak, he's going to wait till the end of the service when we do the hymn of invitation or the hymn of decision. But that's not true, folks. I hope God's already spoken to your heart in some way, fashion, shape, or form. As a new Christian, when I was a senior in high school, I can remember at my home church, Grace Baptist Church, about one day in the service, as, as the church was singing the offertory hymn, and this honest-to-goodness happened. And he was an older man. I knew the man well because I'd gone hunting with him before. He was a very faithful member of the church. But I remember as they were singing the offertory hymn, he walked down the aisle, knelt at the altar, and he began to weep. And I'm sitting there thinking, what's happening? We hadn't had the invitation hymn yet. Folks, you and I are limiting the work of the Holy Spirit of God when we say God can only work at the end of the service. If God's not at work right now, we're missing the boat, folks. God's Spirit wants to be empowering us to understand during the whole service that He is here. Let me tell you something else. The Holy Spirit is in Sunday school. The Holy Spirit is in our youth and our children's activities. Anything that we do in the name of the Lord Jesus inside and outside the church, the Holy Spirit is there because Jesus promised that. And folks, we must understand this. We must understand that the Spirit is here. But back to the fact of a person before they trust Christ. How is the Spirit at work in a lost person's heart? Well, folks, through the Holy Spirit, God is drawing men, women, and children unto Himself. And let me give you a couple of verses of Scripture here that really touched me, okay? John six forty four. Listen to this verse. Jesus is speaking. Listen to what He says. No one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws him. In John chapter 12, verse 32, again, Jesus is speaking. And Jesus says, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Now, folks, we know from earlier verses in, in John that this lifting up that Jesus is talking about is the cross, about his being crucified. Just listen, John 3, verse 14, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And again, he's not talking about being exalted. He is talking about his cross. In John 8, 28, Jesus says, So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak thus as the Father taught me. At the cross, Jesus would draw all men to Himself. And folks, that's why we can come to church all we want to, but until we magnify and lift up the cross of Jesus, men will not be drawn to the Lord because it is through the cross and the gospel of Jesus Christ that men are drawn to salvation. And Jesus said something else here. He said, I will draw all men to myself. Some people have understood this to mean that God's going to save everybody. It's called universalism or universal salvation. But folks, what it means, 
all people, whether they are Jews or Gentiles, without distinction, will be drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation would be offered to all humanity. But folks, listen to what Jesus is saying. Jesus and God the Father do not force us, but draw us unto himself. The cross reminds us that God loves the whole world and that the task of the church, my task as not only a pastor but as a Christian, is to take the gospel to the whole world. As you and I are filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. So listen, if God the Father is drawing people to himself, if Jesus drew people to himself through lifting himself or being lifted up on a cross. What's the Holy Spirit going to do? Well, that goes back again to John 16, 8 and 9. The Holy Spirit will convict of sin and point the lost to the cross and to the Savior and draw the lost person to Jesus. And folks, this is good news. And I'm going to explain why in just a second. But this morning, if you have not yet trusted Christ as your personal Savior, guess what? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are trying to bring you to personal knowledge of His Son. I've told this story before. I'm going to tell it today and probably tell it again. This was one of the great revelations in my life as a pastor. Shortly after moving to Roxborough, And I'm not going to call names. You'd know immediately who it was. But one of our deacons had a brother-in-law who who had been sick many, many times, who had had uh, multiple surgeries, who had cancer, who was hospitalized. But the man had never professed faith in Christ. And so the deacon asked me if I would go see his brother-in-law. He had suffered a heart attack and was here in Roxborough Hospital and asked me to visit him. And he said, would you witness to him? Would you explain to him the plan of salvation? He's not been in church and he doesn't, he, he doesn't know the Lord. Now, he was not saying that as, as a judgmental statement. He was saying that because he loved his brother-in-law. Many times I visited that man in the hospital. Many times he had surgeries. Many times he had issues. And, and, and I would go by and I would try and witness to him because his brother-in-law kept saying he needs to know the Lord. The man did not come to church. I'm not judging him. I'm just saying that somehow his brother-in-law knew that he needed to hear the gospel. One day I got a call from his brother-in-law, and he said, they're not expecting him to make it this time. Would you go and witness to him one more time? And folks, I'm not, I don't try and beat a person over the head with the gospel But it was my obligation and opportunity, I felt, that day to go and witness to this man. This time he was in Duke. And as I drove to Duke, I prayed a number of times before I got to the hospital that this would be the day that this man would trust Christ. He was so close to dying. And when I got there and got into his room and he welcomed me into his room, I told him again why I'd come that I wanted to share the plan of salvation with him because I knew that, that, that it was serious. And this was his response. He looked at me, and he was polite, and he, would not, he was nice, but he said, you can talk with me about the weather, about my family, about anything except the Lord. I don't want to talk about it. And I honored that 
I visited with him. At the end of the visit, I had prayer and I left. And I'd be a liar if I didn't tell you that I was so frustrated and I was even ticked off with God. And as I drove back to Roxborough, I told the Lord, not in an audible voice, but in my inner being, I said, don't you know David has lost God? Excuse me, I didn't mean to say his name. I really didn't. Don't you know I was ready to witness to him? And then I asked God this question. Have you stopped working on bringing the lost to salvation? And I I asked God those questions before I realized what I'd done. I really did. And folks, this is a true story. And I remember this so well because it happened as I was passing by the horse statue at Black Horse Run. You remember the horse? And God spoke to me and impressed on my heart what I'm about to share with you. God said, every single day, the Holy Spirit is seeking to draw lost men unto me and point them to Jesus. Don't you ever dare me of not loving humanity enough to want every one of them saved. And God spoke to me and said, never again doubt that I am drawing the lost to myself. Now let me ask you something. Is there someone in your circle of friends and your family that you've given up on? Because you just said, I've tried to witness them, I wanted them to know the Lord, and they just absolutely told me no. Well, folks, let me tell you, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. The man lived through that hospital stay. And several years later, the man, his cancer had flared up again, and he got his daughter to call me and ask me to visit him at home. And as I prepared to go, I prayed that the Holy Spirit would speak through me to prepare the man's heart. I'd learn a whole lot that it ain't my ability to witness, it's what the Holy Spirit of God is doing. When I got to his house, and he was bedridden by this time, his daughter ushered me back to his room, and I sat down in a chair, and he looked at me and smiled, and he said, tell me one more time how I can be saved. You see, the Spirit of God had continued to soften this man's heart to the gospel. I had the Billy Graham tract, and I thank God for Billy Graham. And I thank God for tracts, because it was written so simply that the man could understand. And as I shared that tract, Peace with God, he prayed and acknowledged to Jesus that he was a lost sinner. And he believed that Jesus died on the cross for him. And he invited, in that moment, Jesus to come into his heart and to save him. You see, the Holy Spirit had been working in his heart. And I couldn't see that. Don't give up on whoever you're trying to win to the Lord. Folks, I want to tell you. I'd be a liar if I didn't say it discourages me sometimes thinking about how few people in recent years that we've won to the Lord through the ministry of the church. 
the lack of baptisms over a prolonged period of time. Yes, we've had some really good years, but we've had some very lean years too. I'm saying that to say this, though. We must keep praying that the Spirit of God will so fill this place and fill our lives that we will bear witness to Christ. And God Himself will bring a harvest. And we need to keep looking to Him to do that. Let me quickly tell you a couple more things. That's to the non-believer. Here's to the believer. And I'll go, I'll fast forward through this, okay? Number one, uh, Jesus in verse, uh, that first verse, verse, uh, what is it, verse 16? I don't lost my way here. In verse 16, Jesus calls, uh, the Holy Spirit the counselor, the comforter. What does that mean? It's translating the Greek word parakletus, which means one who walks along the, alongside the hill. You and I understand the Holy Spirit of God is walking along beside us. He is on our day-to-day living. The Spirit of God walks with us. You remember what Jesus said? Lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. God walked with us along beside us by the Holy Spirit. And He becomes our counselor, our strengthener, our comforter, our helper, our advisor, our advocate, our intercessor, our ally, our friend. Remember, folks, Jesus is telling His disciples, I'm not going to be with you, but guess what? The Holy Spirit will continue what Christ had already begun to do with those disciples. He would walk with them. And finally, the Holy Spirit will live within us. Folks, that's some good news. Steve, would you fast forward it to, uh, or who, or, I'm sorry, D, you're running this. Um, would you fast forward Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14? And folks, I'll close. I'll close on this. Listen to this, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. This out of Living Bible. Look. If you don't hear anything else this morning, would you write these two verses down? Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Listen to what Paul says. And because of what Christ did, all you others too who heard the good news about how to be saved and trusted Christ. Now listen to this. Were marked as belonging to Christ by the Holy Spirit, who long ago had been promised to all of us Christians, His presence within us. Where? Within us is God's guarantee that He really will give us all that He promised. And the Spirit's seal upon us means that God has already purchased us and that He guarantees to bring us to Himself. This is one more reason for us to praise our glorious God. Listen to the three things Paul says in those two verses. The Holy Spirit has marked us as belonging to Christ. The Holy Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us all that He has promised. And the Spirit's seal upon us means that God has already purchased us and that He guarantees to bring us unto Himself. Folks, This is real. The Spirit of God is real. And He wants to be a part of us. Do you know Christ as your Savior? If not, the Holy Spirit's outside your heart 
knocking on your heart saying, you're a sinner, but there's a Savior. I want to lead you to him. And my dear brother and sister in Christ, the Holy Spirit is walking along beside us, and he dwells in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, teach us more about yourself. Help us, Lord, to understand in a clear light the work of the Holy Spirit, not only within us, but in a lost world. And help us, Father, that we will not quench or resist or grieve the Holy Spirit, but will be filled. Speak in these moments of invitation, for we ask in Christ's name. Amen.